Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on a grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And it is truly grand and glorious out there. A wonderful, wonderful fall day. And we're going to spend a couple hours here engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, as we're prone to do, as is our want. And uh, we will also hit a fair amount of um, arts and entertainment. Arts and entertainment today. It is an arts and entertainment kind of day. Light on the politics. Yesterday we were heavy on the politics. Today we're light on the politics, but there will be a little bit. Uber producer Dan Peters is with us, which is awesome. Good to know. Thanks for spending some time with Dan and I on your radio Information 1000 KSOO, streamed live at KSOO.com or the KSOO mobile app, which I know you all have because that's how you're listening to this show, many of you. And uh, our Twitter account is up and running, a P. Lally Show, and Dan, Uber producer Dan Peters will be manning that account as well. Say, Dan, do you remember um, your uh, senior year in high school? Yes, I Uh, remember almost every bit of it. Did uh, did you have a yearbook did that down there at the uh, Wagner High? Yes, yes, for the Wagner Red Raiders. Yeah, it was it had it was the 1989 Centennial yearbook. Ooh. So it had the South Dakota Centennial emblazoned upon nice. this gray colored yearbook. Do you still have it? Do you still I do have one. It. Do yeah. you ever look at it? Well, I haven't looked at it in a while, but yes, I do have it. Uh Events of the day, the last couple of days, have made me think, okay, I don't, I, uh, you know, I've said it, I'm O'Gorman, class of 83, uh, and I, I don't have a yearbook. I don't think I got a yearbook. I don't remember ever seeing one in my home. I've, other, I've seen other people's. I know they exist, but I don't have one. But if I did, I was going to, I would have gone back and looked to see what it said about me, right? That's what you do. You find your entries in your yearbook. Um, our yearbooks did not have um, paragraph. Paragraph. It was just the uh, the name underneath the the senior mm-hmm. photograph. And what if you did, Dan? Uh, you know, you you sort of think about what it might say. Because I don't think ours had that either. But there were different. It might have listed the things you were in. You know what I mean? Yeah, activities, clubs, four year band. Yep. You know that kind of thing. Letter winner at whatever sport or activity. Choir. Band. <laughs> Yeah, And back in those days, by the way, if you were a fine arts letter winner like I was, they were smaller than the athletic letters because you weren't really a letter winner. You were just a athletic supporter. Boom, boom. And uh, uh, so I was thinking about this in recent days. Uh, I know, they didn't let us work. Who thought that it was a good idea <laughs> – at Georgetown Prep, circa 1983, the same. I see. I'm the same age as uh, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, who is uh, sitting uh, and waiting for uh, perhaps being confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And he went to a Catholic high school, Georgetown Prep, which a lot of the big Catholic colleges have their own little prep schools. Right? There's a Creighton Prep. There's St. John's Prep. There's, you know, all these different prep schools. We just have plain old Gorman. And so I went to Catholic high school, and I graduated in 1983. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm very happy that we were not allowed, that, that writing your own entry in the yearbook was not something we did. Can you imagine that? Now, yours would have been fine, I know that, because you're, you know, you're a solid citizen, a good person. I have the... I, I've got the street cred on that. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have done anything rash or untoward. Maybe all, there might be some missteps along the way. Sure. As we all have. Right. But you wouldn't, you know, uh, write anything that your parents would not have been proud of. You would have thought about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, this would have been, okay, this is going to, you know, being, you know, a 17, 18 year old mm-hmm. person, there would probably be appropriate things for a 17- or 18-year-old person to write. But certainly as well, there were students in your class, men and women, particularly the boys among you, 
who maybe would not have that little, little voice of conscience saying, should I write this down? Is that what I want in my yearbook when I'm 53 years old? I mean, you can imagine that, right? So who at Georgetown Prep in 1983, when they're putting together the yearbook, thinks, you know what I would be really cool? As if the students wrote their own entries. And they were not edited at all by the staff. Apparently Or the faculty advisor who would help with the yearbook. No, they just went into print. And so I read these. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I saw that yearbook entry that I think was public yesterday, uh, and I read it, and I thought, yep, that sounds like us. <laughs> you know what I mean? From that era, that's just the kind of stupid things you would do when you were 17 years old in 1982, 1983. Um, you know, I, you think you're the smartest kid in the room, right? You think you're, you think you're, you got everybody hoodwinked and you're going to put down your cool little phrases and your inside jokes and you're going to put it in the yearbook. Won't that be cool? <laughs> this will never come back to no, haunt me. This will never, ever come back to haunt me. Nobody cares what I write in this high school yearbook. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all I could think. Who thought that was? I mean, you can't. I, I can't imagine an educator at any level, high school level, uh, but particularly in the, uh, oh, I don't know, sometimes privileged halls of a private school uh, where any of the teachers would think, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> but remember, that's 1983. I know. But now look at 2018. Yeah. Was that entry that was published yesterday, mm-hmm. was it Photoshopped? Oh, conspiracy theorists. I haven't heard anybody deny that that is, in fact, a fair, that is an accurate uh, reproduction of, of the, because uh, somebody would have said that. Plenty of those people have those. So you think that there's a, is there a theory working its way around that it could be? I have no idea, oh, but okay. I'm just throwing that out there to muddy the water. Just yeah, a little I, I bit. did think it was unusual that it said, you know, <laughs> hashtag go to law school but you know <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that was around then you know there were no such things as hashtags oh back then. okay yeah 1983 wow and and you know when you're when in 1983 when you're 17 or 18 you cannot conceive of the world at all i couldn't because you had still fairly limited input right from the outside world and uh you couldn't conceive that anybody would care. The worst thing that could ever happen would be somebody would make a photocopy of it. <laughs> you know? So the idea that hit that entry that he wrote when he was 17, 18, now is uh, viewed as widely as anything can be viewed, short of a Molly Cyrus video, is uh, kind of unfathomable, really. So I, on some level, I feel bad for the guy, you know, but I, I just can't believe that somebody let them do that. <laughs> That's just astonishing to me. And we still don't know if there was someone on the grassy knoll. No, that's but true. But we sure know as fire burns what Merrick Gar, or excuse me, what uh, Brett Kavanaugh, yeah. boy, that's a Freudian <laughs> slip if there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> what Brett wow. Kavanaugh put in his yearbook. Yes, we know that for certain. For certain. Oh, man, what a circus. Um, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, Jennifer White of Post Pilgrim Gallery is going to be here. Hugh Grogan will be here. They are here to talk about the Northern Plains Indian Art Market, which is coming up. And Chris Cathal. Catholic. No, 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 no. What? Oh, let me what? help you with that. What? What? That's Nebraska, so that's Coddle. Oh, see, you would know. I would know. I know I know some coddles. No kidding. Coddle. Coddle. Chris Coddle. <laughs> Although the band is called Quasi, so who knows how things are pronounced. Q-U-A-Z-Y, the band Quasi. He is a member of the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. His band's going to be up here playing, uh, I believe, this weekend. And uh, we'll chat with Chris about that. Uh, Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. That's pronounced Hudson. That's the Sioux Falls pronunciation. <laughs> Coddle. 
Wait a second. I got to write that down. Coddle. Yeah, just like just like if you're coddling someone. K o t t e l would be sort of the phonetic yep. on that. Coddle. All right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, and I will have a PL statement just after the break. Uh, it's day two on this school board thing. I haven't gotten it all out of my system. So there you have it. You want to stick around? This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Everybody wants to be closer to free. Twenty-one on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and it's time for the PNL statement today. In uh, that time of the day when we talk about the news of, of the world and community around us, and uh, yesterday, if you were if you were tuned into the show, uh, you know that uh, I, my, in fact, my throat is still a little <coughs> scratchy <coughs> from the high volume, perhaps the the vigorous nature in which I approached yesterday's PNL statement. And uh, uh, it was about the, the school board and the school bond election and the Monday meeting of the school board in which they um, declined uh, Mr. Canel, Kent Albert T. and Cynthia Mickelson, uh, sort of the heads of the uh, school board there for the Sioux Falls School District, declined to make available some information about the election and answer some questions about the school bond vote in which they uh, victoriously uh, trounced any sort of notion of uh, opposition to a $190 million school bond uh, with their 85% results. And, you know, uh, as you'll recall, I've said this, uh, I've said this more than once now, uh, 85% is just, it's not, it's, it tells you that something is wrong with your election. Okay. It means that you didn't, there's something that, that wasn't right. And not that it shouldn't have passed, because I, I thought it should pass. It needed 60% to pass. Big number, right? And it got 85. 85%. Who you say, wow, everybody must really love paying more taxes. Well, they don't. You know, we know that. But the schools are needed. And uh, it's, it, it, you know, there may have been some other options. There's some, dis, you know, uh, might be people disagreeing with the various ways. Anyway, only 15% disagreed, and I have suggested that perhaps that's because using uh, 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 voting centers, 13 voting centers, rather than normal places where people normally vote at the polls, and uh, having it on its own election day and all that, yada, 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 it 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 will give you this result. And, you know, there's no organized opposition, all of that. 85%. 85, okay? So, and I know people who voted against it. So there you go. I also know people who went to their normal polling place, no poll there because they, you know, just forgot or whatever. And then they went home because they're like, eh, I don't got time. So the story today, uh, $190 million bonds victory margin is the largest in recent local history by Shelley Conlin in your August leader um, is interesting. Uh, and it, it sort of rehashes uh, some of this stuff. So Wade, Wade Pogany, 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 thanks. Wade Pogany, he's uh, the dude from the Associated School Boards of South Dakota. Um, He says, we don't keep specific records on bond elections, but in my experience, I can't remember anything close to an 85% approval. Weird. Hmm. So the association honored the district school board Monday night for its dedicated participation to Act, Learn, and Lead, or the All Award given to boards across the state that have demonstrated demonstration leaders that have demonstration leadership in very some editing probably would have been good on this. There's some capitalization issues as well. Uh, various areas throughout the 27-18 school year. Being in the position we're in with the associated school boards, we watched the election process very carefully. Pogany told Pogany, I'm sorry. I Pogany, looked it up. It's Pogany. 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 Pogany told school board members, I will tell you if people call me in the office and say, how do you, we go about a bond election? I'm going to say, there's a great model. I know who you need to talk to, and I'm going to send them to you. You did it the right way. So um, this is interesting. The, the, here's more, more Pogany here. I will say if you pass a bond at 60%, you've done well. At 70%, that is excellent. At 85%, it's just outstanding. It's unbelievable what you did. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I agree with Pogany. Pogany. 
What I do know, though, is the community, with that kind of a vote, they trust you. Um, they did. <laughs> I think the community did trust them. But here's the deal. So uh, 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 our friend of the show, Scott Arisman, SouthCola.com, and Bruce Danielson, you know, they're a watchdog group. They're a government watchdog group. And a lot of people don't like them because they ask a lot of questions, Right. And so they want to see the, they want an audit of the, because, you know, they would just, it just seems off, right? And the school board tells them no. And then not only tells them no, tells them that basically they don't have any right to question them. And that's why I got so mad yesterday. And I am, I continue to be upset by this. And this issue I don't think is going away because I don't think that they can keep those documents from the public. And you don't get to choose which public you will be public too. All right? I'm pretty sure that they need to give it up. Now, I don't know if they followed everything exactly to the letter on this election. They had their, they, they ran the election themselves, the school district did. They didn't bring in uh, Bob Litz, county auditor. They didn't bring in uh, the secretary. They didn't do any of that. And they're allowed to do all those things by law, right? Because you don't want some tiny school board out there to have to come in. And, you know, that's fine. It saves them money. I get all that. But then open up the documents. It's 18,000 votes. Okay. What do you think they're going to do to them? Let them recount them. I mean, I believe that those documents are public. I don't believe that you can keep them from the public. And so I don't think you've heard the last of this. This is not going away because of the arrogance of the school board all you have to do is say you know what let's look at, let's see if we can figure out something here that's all you got to do answer the questions don't be a putz don't act like you know more than somebody else because you don't you don't kent and cynthia you don't know more than the people who are asking the questions that's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can reach me, Patrick at KSO.com on the email. We're on Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. We're going to talk some Big Brother. Yeah. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> Thirty-six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it's Wednesday, and on most Wednesdays in this time slot, the Weird Friends, we have Mr. Scott Hudson, and today is no different. Mr. Hudson, what's happening over on your side of the world? Well, I'm, I'm just like uh, uh, starting the pregame, you know, uh, the, the Big Brother finale is tonight, and just like with people with football, you know, you... You start a few hours early. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what time? So tonight is the big finale. Is that right? Yes, yes, it is. And so uh, my three-month nightmare ends <laughs> kind of tonight. Self-imposed nightmare is over for what another few months, and then they come back again at you, right? Well, that's true. Good point. Mm-hmm. So they, it's a summer show, The Big Brother. It's an off. You know, it's not a. It's not a height of the season show. But it, it it's wildly successful, and yeah, and uh, three episodes a week, and they're all in the top ten during the summer. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely successful. And you have piggybacked upon that success. Oh yeah, uh, with a with a podcast uh, uh, and some uh, other social media stuff, and also uh, a a cartoon, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, and so you you so you're getting ready tonight just to watch. And then you'll you'll have your podcast. And how does that all work? When does the podcast drop now? Yeah, we uh, well we usually do it every Saturday, uh, but in this case we will be doing a special season finale tomorrow night. Ah, uh, okay. Just because I mean, three days later, why bother? Right. Uh, so we're so we're doing it the next night. So the sh- yeah, because there's no predicting. There's no yeah yeah, and there's no uh, live feed footage or info to give people. I mean, that's what makes our show. Is we mm-hmm. talk about what actually happened, not what CBS decided to show you. Yeah, uh, And so tonight we get, uh, we find out who wins, right? Yes. So who's yes. left on this, this proverbial island? 
Is it just one, two people, five? What is no, it? No, there's three people. There's okay, three people three. left. Um, uh, one is by the name of Tyler. He kind of looks like a, a surfer dude, but he's actually really smart, really funny. And he's done. Uh, you've been talking about Tyler since the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. He's he is he's good. He's good. He deserves to win probably the most of the three. Uh, another one is Casey, uh, who is a female professional football player. <laughs> really, and uh, she's uh, she's one of, was one of Tyler's main allies. And so, if she wins, it's it, it's fine. It's not like she's completely undeserving or anything. Mm-hmm. She was one of those that would win a lot of competitions. Um, Tyler is more strategic. If that makes sense. And then the third one is is kind of the most is the humorous one of the bunch. His name is JC, and he is um, diminutive, let's say. A like, small, a short person? A small person? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say the wrong terminology because right. I know it's changed over the years. Uh, yes, he's a, he's a tiny little guy yeah. <laughs> who is very hard to explain, to understand because he uh, speaks with a Spanish accent. Um, but he's, he's funny, he's doesn't really deserve to be in the final three, <laughs> but he thinks he does. Ah, he has a big vision of himself. Uh, oh, yeah. So how do they, in, in the last episode, how do they decide? Do they, like, is it come to fisticuffs at this point, or what, what's the what's the Well, that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, it's actually a little convoluted. They squeeze a lot of stuff into 90 minutes. It, it, it starts at 8.30 Central tonight. Um, they first do a comp that all three are in. Uh, the the person who wins that sits out the next round, where it's the next two people that 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 go in, and then the two winners will live tonight do a comp, and the person that wins that gets to decide which of the two goes to the finals with them. Oh, with really? Them. And then there's a jury of the last nine people <laughs> that have been evicted, including the one tonight. Is this like Facebook's algorithm at this point? It kind of sounds like, <laughs> it kind of sounds like, but anyway, they, they will be voted, uh, the nine people tonight will vote on them, and uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, there is a chance that if, even if, if Tyler does make the final, that he might not win because, well, he's helped get rid of some of these people, yeah. like most of those people. Well, that's so, the twist, right? Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah. So that you have, then you'll record podcasts, you'll drop... Um, how has the, po- the podcast has been wildly successful we've talked about that before, but how yeah. did you do, uh, w- this season? Uh, are you guys still just killing it or, you know, how's that going? I'd say we're killing it. Numbers wise, we're about the same as, as we have in the last couple of years. Uh, there's just a lot more competition. The, the, the big corporations have really got into it recently. I mean, it's really hard to compete when you have, uh, uh, you know, NPR with, Ten different podcasts a week, or, or uh, there's there's a series about Natalie Wood's death. Oh, really? Like, like eight of them are in the top fifteen at any given moment. But yeah, we've done we've done great. The, it is interesting, uh, you know the re- the obviously it's not so much the return of podcasts anymore. They have made their resurgence now for a couple of years. But the fact uh, NPR is in the space, very huge, but so many people are now. Um, and the the emergence of this the sort of investigative podcast series or yeah, real crime a ton of them real crime is big real big uh, in the podcast world I'm, I listen to a few of them yeah. I gotta admit I, I haven't checked out the new serial yet but there is a new season of serial that came out this week and that's an offshoot of this American Life basically right yes that's yeah. uh, Ira Glass his organization and they came up with serial and it's uh, investigative pieces, long, long form. I mean, there are many pieces to these things, right? Right, right. It's right. like a, and I so wish. it's called serial, which makes sense. Yes. Uh, and I wish I could get a little piece of their money. <laughs> <laughs> I want a little, a little touch on that Ira Glass cash. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> uh, but then, we, are, and we do it all. We we do it all. We don't have any actual advertisers. Yeah, we do it all. What what money we make comes from our listeners, and so that's I actually kind of like that more. I mean, yeah. we're not beholden to anyone. Just contributions. Do you uh, uh, has that been going up? I mean, have you do you get more kind, or is it just kind of ebb and flow? 
Uh, it, it generally rises throughout the season, and especially depending on the season. This season is considered uh, uh, one of the best Big Brother seasons in recent memory, so that has helped us. And, uh, yeah, every week it goes up a little bit more, so it's like, well, can the season go a couple more weeks? <laughs> I, can... I need to make a Costco run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to load up on booze for the winter. Um, the uh, uh, it is kind of weird though that Big Brother is still going and still going strong because uh, you know a lot of those shows have gone away. I mean, I, I suppose Survivor's still out there in some form, isn't it? Well, Survivor premieres tonight, actually. Yeah, Survivor and Big Brother. I mean, those are the two mainstays, really. They, I, I can't think of anything other than those two shows that have been on any longer, as far as reality goes. It's kind of shocking. That that continues in the and it's still popular. Well, I think part of it is both those shows. No matter what kind of little twists that they try to incorporate from year to year, it's really they've they've not strayed away from the the the, the main the the main reason for its existence. You know what I mean? Yeah, cheap uh, tawdry you, entertainment in the summer. Well, yeah, there was there was that. Too. <laughs> 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 but you were going to mention something else, apparently. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it, it has remained pretty pure. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, Survivor Jeff Probst has introduced twist after twist after twist every year. But it is still the same thing. It's people on an island for 39 days. Big Brother's the same. It's 16 people in a house being filled 24-7 for three months. Mm-hmm. What's your prediction for tonight? You think it's Tyler? Yeah, I, I, I think it will be. Yeah. So you're guys, you're going to be uh, watching that tonight and then uh, dropping the podcast. I can get that podcast, the Big Brother, what is it, Big Brother Gossip? That's what it's yes. called, right? Big Brother Gossip yep. on any of the platforms, correct? Yep, tomorrow night we'll, be, we'll put it up. We record live, uh, 8 o'clock our time. You can find us on Mixler, M-I-X-L-R.com. And then, I don't know, about a half hour to an hour later it shows up yeah. after I upload it. And then you're on the TV Party app. How's the, how'd the cartoon go? Uh, we were really, really successful. They were happy with us. We were like the, the most watched thing on the app. Well, it's really good. Uh, our, our, final, our final installment was uh, yesterday, in fact. Yeah, I saw that, uh, that it dropped. Uh, and you were happy with it, the way everything worked? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun to do. You got to find some other, you got to find some other like uh, a franchise to hook onto and replicate your fame. I know, I know. If anybody got any ideas, let me know. <laughs> I mean, I've tried to make a living off this, you know, loving music thing, and that that ends up that does nothing but cost me money. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're going to come back and talk with Scott Hudson on Weird Friends about some music. If you've got a few minutes, right? Oh yeah, awesome. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Fifty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we're chatting with Scott Hudson on Weird Friends, and uh, Scott's main area of expertise with us is music, and I gotta tell you, Scott, uh, the thing I'm most excited about right now in the current, in this time and in this place, Trampled by Turtles coming back on uh, January 19th, 18th, I think. I know you're probably oh, yeah. pretty excited I, about I that. I saw that was announced a few days ago, yeah. You've seen them how many times now? Uh, I think four. You know, I'm not in the I'm not in the uh, disgruntled former city commissioner Matt Staub territory on that one yet, <laughs> but uh, I'm working on it. Working on it. Uh, very excited uh, at the pavilion though, uh, that I know you'll like. Hmm. Jeff Tweedy not only has a solo record out in November, but he's got an autobiography. Oh, really? Yes, that's awesome. And I think he, well, he I know he's touring. I've seen some dates for him. Yeah, he just played uh, Minneapolis a couple nights ago, actually. That's good. I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think uh, when I talked to Andy Howes on the show, it's been a f- several months now, but that was, he thought that uh, Jeff Tweedy was something that he might be able to book someday and he would really like to do that. Oh, so, that would be fabulous. Yeah, I would like to go see that, but we'll see. Uh, the, the Trample by Turtles in the Pavilion is a little weird. I mean. Oh, is that where it's at, the Pavilion? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy about that. It's big room. Cool. Big room for them. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, hey, uh, what's uh, Hudson's hot pick of the week, by the way? 
I think um, my hot pick right now is the latest by Alejandro Escovito. It's called The Crossing. Elora- Are you familiar with him? No, Alejandro. Say that again. Alejandro Escovito. He uh, he uh, has been around forever. Well, he's Sheila E.'s uncle, for one. Oh, got it. And uh, he was in, uh, when punk first happened in the late 70s, he was in a San Francisco band called um, uh, The Nuns which is a great name for a punk band. Yeah. Uh, in the 80s, he was in a, a, a kind of a country punk band called Rank and File. Oh, yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, then, then he was in a band uh, called uh, True Believers, which was, uh, they were, he moved to Austin, Texas. That was a very uh, important band down there at that time. In the last 30 years, 25 years, he's been a solo act. He actually has played in Sioux Falls a couple times. Really? As a solo act? He, well, yeah, yeah. He opened for Sunvolt. Uh, at the pomp room in what was that ninety four nineteen <laughs> yeah exactly uh, he opened for Sunvo when they came really? here wow. and uh, then he played uh, Ward must have liked him because he came back a few months later and get this it was a no smoking show <laughs> at the pomp room what what a no smoking show at the pomp room how does that happen uh, that was part of his contract really interesting yeah. Well, he was yeah. a, he was groundbreaker then. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, his new album is called The Crossing. Came out a couple, uh, two, three weeks ago. It's kind of a, it's a double record. It's a concept record of two immigrants, one from Italy, one from Mexico, uh, who work together in a Texas restaurant, you know, in pursuit of the American dream. Well, that sounds like a good story. Uh, yeah, there's and there's a few. Wayne uh, uh, Kramer from the MC5 is on a couple tracks. Uh, the couple guys, I don't know if you're familiar with the band, the only one, yep. um, they, they play on a, a, a song or two. It's, it's, Ooh. it's, it's a really nice record that goes from kind of folky stuff to, you know, kind of a Bowie-ish glam rock. Oh, right on. Well, I'll have to punch that into my Spotify. There you go. And I listen to that tonight, maybe. Uh, Alejandro Escovedo and the new record is called what? The Crossing. The Crossing. I'll look that up. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate oh, that. Oh, any time. Uh, and for listeners out there, look that up. Let us know what you think. Uh, Scott Hudson, he is our uh, music aficionado and uh, pop culture critic for the Patrick Lally Show. He's here most Wednesdays. I appreciate it, Scott, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with the lead man for the band, Quazy. That's right, Quazy. Q-U-A-Z-Y, Chris Cattell. Cattell. Cottle. Cottle. I'm not going to get that. Let's just get that out there. I'm going to blow that right out of the water. He'll be here. We'll chat with him. They're playing this weekend in Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSLO. Announcements with Fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Now, through September 30th, which is coming up, the Great American Milk Drive. One in four children go hungry. Milk is an essential part of a child's diet. The next time you're checking out your groceries at any Sioux Falls Hy-Vee, tell them you would like to donate either a half gallon or a full gallon of milk to the Great American Milk Drive. Your donations help Feeding South Dakota and provide milk to kids in your neighborhood who can't afford it. And everybody needs milk. So get on board, people. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We're going to talk to Chris Cottle of the band Quazy. And I'm pronouncing all of that right in there. you got to believe it. He's a member of the Nebraska Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he's going to play, weekend, play in town this weekend. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSO. Seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
And it's appropriate we play some jam from the early 80s, late 70s, because we have with us Chris Cottle. He is uh, from the band Quazy, which was uh, now has been inducted into the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and is playing in town on Saturday. Uh, Chris, thanks for being here. You bet. Glad to be here. So the band Quazy, and it is spelled Q-U-A-Z-Y. Do I have that correctly? That's right. Uh, uh, tell us about Quazy and how it is you ended up in the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, well, me and uh, the bass guitar player, Ken Naker, we kind of started playing together back in like 69 or 70. So then um, we got the Quazy Bunch got together about in 74. We met a, a guy from Norfolk that played drums, Harley Zumbrum, and, and Craig Jensen was in from uh, San Jose, California. So that's kind of how we threw the band together. And then we pretty much played from, from then on full time. And so and, um, you guys toured all over the upper Midwest? Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. We did like Iowa, Minnesota, North and South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, now, uh, uh, Nebraska. Now, the name Quazy, uh, the, I'm sure you uh, felt inspired the day you came up with that, right? <laughs> that's, it was in the 70s, so it's probably something illegal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's rock and roll, right? Yeah, that's right. So, That's right. So for the for the kids out there, and there's a couple of them who who don't remember, um, you know, the '70s. Uh, tell us what it was like being uh, a young man in a rock and roll band, traveling around, playing at night, hanging out all day. What was that uh, experience like? It was a lot like? of fun. You know, um, you'd go out for with. We traveled with six guys. We had four musicians and two, a sound man and a light man, and you'd take off for twenty twenty five days in a row, and every town was was new it was fun it was was different you know so it was sheer excitement how did you uh back in those days uh how, how did you get all those gigs i mean it must have been a lot of well, phone had, work and there was a lot more places to play first off there was tons of ballrooms in south dakota especially had the three two clubs mm-hmm. where they sold served three two beer and they had them all over. There were all kinds of dance halls and everything all over. But we had different booking agents for different areas. You know, if we were playing in Minnesota, you'd had a booking agent up there that was lining a tour up for you up there. And Iowa, you had the same thing, you know. So you were working with a bunch of different people, and they do a lot of legwork. And, and you were just driving and playing. That's interesting. And uh, how long then did you guys, from what years did you tour full-time? Pretty much seventy four to eighty two. Hmm. That uh, that that uh, takes a little toll on you, doesn't it? Just playing <laughs> physically, just physically doing it's, it's that. A hard, it's a harder job than most people realize. You know, it's um, you know bad hours and bad food. You know, it's it's a tough tough goal, but you really have a lot of fun. Yeah, and in the seventies, you know, the cars seventies and eighties, you bet. Where cars weren't quite as reliable, the roads weren't, you know. <laughs> everywhere like they are now it took a little bit of time didn't it well yeah it did and and you know the weather was always a factor you know especially in the summer if you're doing big outdoor shows mm-hmm. you know that was always a nightmare <laughs> and uh, and tell us about uh your music what were you guys playing well, I mean, we started music? off you know we've been playing for so long like i say we started playing in 69 so we've kind of kind of gone through the whole gauntlet of music you know and we were we're pretty much a guitar band. We have always been a guitar band, but we've got like three singers, so we've got the harmonies and everything going. So, so we kind of started off, you know, a little bit more of the, you know, Allman Brothers, Aerosmith. You know, that was what was happening in the early 70s. And then we took a little break and went out to L.A., and that's kind of where we, we heard all the Elvis Costello and the Pretenders and stuff. They were all hip out there then. So when we came back, that's kind of what we started to play. Mm-hmm. So you really uh, transformed from uh, yeah, we sure did classic rock band into yeah. to a new wave. Yeah, absolutely. And then we were we were working out of, you know people out of Minneapolis all the time, and that was you know it still kind of is a big hub for music. Mm-hmm. But all the bands that there was a ton of bands come out of there, and and they were all playing that. So it was if you wanted gigs, that's kind of what you where you had to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And how come then? So you guys. Uh, are experienced to say the least, uh, and you're still playing. What's what's well, up with it, that? It's just fun to play. I mean, it's um, you, you you you're a lot of different things, but but you're always a musician. You know what I mean? You, we've all had jobs, we've all raised the families and everything, but through thick and thin, you've always been a musician. You know. 
have you guys, yeah, have you been playing pretty much straight through, or how how do, how does this work now? Um, oh, you obviously now, took some time off. I mean, off. different people play different different amounts of time, but we try to get together every oh, month or two, and we've got a big big practice hall that it's it's kind of crazy. It's set up just like you were playing a big two thousand seat hall, big PA, the whole work. So really? it's a blast. So you just you just walk in and plug your guitar in. And away it go, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so there's no work to, to practice. So whenever it works for us, we just get together and, and have fun, you know. Then then every once in a while we throw a show down and just to get in front of people. Yeah, and where are you based now? Uh, well, two of us are in Hardington and one's, at, one's in Jay Gilbertson. He plays out, he comes down out of Yankton, and then Ken Naker comes up from Omaha. And when did you uh, get inducted? In, it's the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, that's right. It was in uh, 2007. They had a big deal down in Norfolk. I think it was us and um, Street Legal. No, it wasn't Street Legal. It was. Uh, I remember those guys. Yeah, no, it wasn't those guys. It was uh, Donette and Dave and those guys, though, that used to play with Street Legal. Got it. Um, Hey, were, that was a, it was a lot of fun. We had a really good turnout. Hardington was pretty much empty. I think they were all in Norfolk. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, um, th- those bands, though, there were a lot of them. I mean, well, there, was a, the, there were a lot of bands, and there were a lot of places to play, you mm-hmm. know. The Tractors, I remember the Tractors. Yeah. Different bands like that who were, they were touring bands, uh, oh, just like you guys. Yeah, all of them toured. You, you know, Wakefield was another one oh, yeah. from that year up. I think they came out of the Sioux Falls area. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, uh, but I mean, you were playing with bands out of Sioux, or Minneapolis, like The Look was a band we've seen a lot. And, mm-hmm. uh, and um, the um, Straight Up, they were, we toured with them a bunch. They were, they were fun to tour with. Yeah. And so, I mean, there, there just was a lot more places to play. Like down here in, in Hardington, there, there was a Hardington Ballroom, the Bull Valley Ballroom, and the St. Lena Ballroom. And they were all within eight mile radius, mm-hmm. and they all had dances every weekend, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, they were just, and then Yankton had, we played a lot in Yankton. They probably had 10 places that had live music in Yankton every yeah. night. Craziness down in Yankton. Yeah. Those, those people know how to get after it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, <laughs> right. and then, then right across the river was the Lazy D, and that was, that was always a pretty wild place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We're gonna, and you guys are playing Saturday night down at Club David in Sioux Falls with Big Red Rocket Riot. And we're going to talk about those guys here in just a minute. So uh, if you got a minute, Chris, we'll come right back. Sure. We're talking with Chris Cottle. He is the, uh, he's with the band Quasi, and they're playing Saturday night down at Club David. And we'll be right back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I'm the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're talking with Chris Cottle. He is with the band Quasi, and they're playing Saturday night down at Club David with a big double bill with Big Red Rocket Riot, who I believe is uh, from the area here. And uh, Chris is, and his band, they're members of the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Chris, uh, tell me now, you guys are much re- much removed from your roots. What what are you playing now? What sorts of music are you doing when you go out? Well, we, we do, we run all over the place. We kind of, what we kind of do is, we take a song that we kind of like, and then we beat it around for a while, and we kind of make it make it work for you. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I mean, it's kind of hard to pigeonhole us for what what we really do. We'll we'll do stuff from Motown to the Clash, you know, or Clash. We some, yeah, we do some Bo Diddley, and we do the White Stripes and Lou Reed, Bowie. You know, so we're kind of all over the place. We take a a lot of stuff. You know, that necessarily isn't a top 40 tune, and we just beat it around and make it make it our tune. Mm-hmm. You know, and then with the singing, we've got the nice harmonies and stuff like that. So, so you know, you can do a Motown song and get the, try to get the Temptations harmonies going there, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and then still, you know, we, we kind of turned into a punk band in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, and so we still can... We can still punk it out pretty good. <laughs> that that sounds like something I might want to see. So, <laughs> well, I hope so. I so hope everybody wants to see it. I am, I am uh, influenced by the era, the punk era, pretty heavily in new wave. So uh, that that gets my attention. Tell me about uh, what do you play by the Clash? Because now now you've got my interest. Oh well, we do like uh, Lost in the Supermarket. Mm. We do uh, Stay Free. We do Safe European Home. We'll do. Um, 
brand new Cadillac. Yeah, those are those are nice. Yeah, songs. I'm not. I think that we might play a couple more about the Clash, but that's probably the ones I can think of off the top of my head. So what do you what are you listening to? What, what now that you you can play all these music music? You play these songs from the from the punk new wave era, and and what are you listening to today? You listening to new stuff, or are you like me, where you just can't get out of the rut? Oh no, I listen to I listen to all different kinds of stuff. It'll it'll go from you know to you know Allison Krauss to to you know the, like the White Stripes. I mean, I just like to listen. Different raggy bands. I like listening to different raggy bands, and uh, Joe Strummer and the Muscle Heroes. I've been listening to a bunch of them. Oh, that is and, really uh, good stuff. Yeah. So I mean, and it's kind of you know I like the Stones. They're always a good guitar band to listen to. That's kind of I like playing the Stones for guitar parts. They're just hard to beat for that. Um, it's um, you know, and then I got into the blues a little bit. So I've got different blues albums I listen to. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it's kind of, like I say, it's it's been from all over. You know, we've been playing so long. You like still like the stuff that you, you listened to way back when, but at the same deal, you can appreciate what's coming out now, you know. Mm-hmm. You still I'm not what? a real big rapper, no. I'm, you know, because they don't have guitars in it. Just like I never was a disco fan just because it wasn't a guitar song, you know. Yeah, well, you and me both. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, do you... What do you like? You talked about the white stripes. What are you hearing in in today's music that really gets your attention and that you really like? Well, I mean, it's the people that you know that that got it figured out. They they take a chance and it, and it works. It isn't you know it, it's not a the stuff I like is in the production where we know it's going to be you know we can do this Miley Cyrus thing and mm-hmm. you know it's this this formula works, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we're going to run that over and over again. Or I kind of like the bands that, you know, run off the script a little bit. You know, the don't know, nobody knows why they like them. They just do, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's got to have a guitar on the front, right? Well, as far, as far as I'm concerned, some people don't. I mean, I like a good, good keyboard and stuff, too. Don't get me wrong, you know. As long as they're but, staying uh, on the back of the stage, we'll let them up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I've always been... Been guitar played guitar with with guitar players, and that's the other thing is it's more fun playing with another guitar player. It makes you you know you can play back and forth a lot better than you know if you're just one guitar in a band. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, so, well, I mean, that's I really enjoy that. That's and it, it is a trick to find the right guitar because I played with a with a bunch of different guitar players through the years. You know, because I played with you know, the bedrockers and mm-hmm. played with the hipsters and stuff. So you, I played with a lot of different guitar players, and some of them you got really good guitar players, so then you kind of take a back seat because a lot of them are way better than me. You know, but then then again you play with some that, you know, you take the front on. So, mm-hmm. so it's kind of fun that way. And, and then you always want to play back and forth, but you got to kind of find your happy medium for what works. What we don't know what blends together, you know. So Saturday night will be a good time down at Club David. Then it, it a, should be. It should be a lot of fun. We're always a pretty high energy bunch. That's great. You know, so even though we're pretty old, <laughs> <laughs> you can still bring it, though, Chris. <laughs> let's not let's not diminish yeah, the accomplishment. Come down and watch some old guys try to kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Cottle, he is uh, with the band Quasi, which is a member of the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're playing with Big Red Rocket Riot down at Club David this Saturday night. Uh, get down there and check them out if you're a fan of, you know, punk and new but wave and, and good just time. good times, right? Yeah. Rock and roll. It'll and, be fun. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for taking a little bit of time for us. I appreciate it. You bet. We'll see you there. Coming up after the break, news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. And then we are chatting with, uh, who is on the show? I'm lost at this time. I'm just, I'm out of control today. I, I, who's running, who's running this show, Dan? You got his name right though, while you were talking to him. That's good stuff. that. That was kind of you. Uh, (laughs) I know who's on the show. Jennifer White of Post Pilgrim Gallery and Hugh Grogan. They're going to talk, be here to talk with us about the Northern Plains Indian art market that's coming up. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I'm very happy to have in the studio with us today 
Jennifer White, who is an artist and owner of the Post Pilgrim Gallery over on East 10th Street in the Last Stop CD Shop building. And Hugh Grogan, who is a volunteer with the uh, Northern Plains Indian Art Market, which is this weekend. Uh, Hugh and Jennifer, thank you very much for coming in today. I appreciate it. Thanks, thank you man. for having us, Pat. So uh, let's, uh, uh, first of all, Jennifer, uh, many people may know your work because it's at the Last Stop CD Shop on East 10th Street. And also in there is the White Wall Studios. So it's a it's kind of a creative commune of people over there. Oh, so. yeah, man. It's a total beehive of groovies. Yeah. When, you, when you walk in, there's like, <laughs> like, what the heck is this place? And then you go downstairs and there's the gallery and then the studios. Yeah. yeah that's cool, man. It's, it's a, cool. Did you say a beehive of groovy? Yeah, man. I like that. <laughs> I'm right to second. Beehive of... Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show, a beehive of groovy. <laughs> Dan's going to get right on. He's going to make those uh, ter- uh, kickers for me. That'll be great. Right uh, so people may recognize or may have seen your work and not known necessarily that it was yours. They know it's the Post Pilgrim Gallery, but oh, yeah. that must be a very, uh, it must be a great spot for you. It really is. Plus, I get the opportunity to represent other Northern Plains artists. And it's just, it's really groovy because you get to see other artists place their trust in their passion, in their livelihoods. And you take that seriously. And over the years, you begin to groom the kind of gallery in which you want. So... It's it's nice being able to pick and choose from all of these wonderful artists. Yeah, and you it's cool. You also actually that's your studio, isn't it? Oh yeah, I get to work in in space. So if you ever stop in and I've got my earbuds in, just tap me on the shoulder politely. <laughs> don't don't scare me. But yeah, it's 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 a wonderful gig. I'm a lucky kid. Yeah, and so how long have you been in that space? We just had our second birthday in April, yeah. and it was it was. It's awesome to think about because it is like having a baby. You just you you spend so much time nurturing and taking care of and making sure every detail is right, and then you just get to see it glow, grow and and flourish. It's it's amazing to see. It's radio, so it's tough to describe. But tell us, tell us, describe your art to um, me. It's contemporary native art, and when I say that, it, um, it's more emotional. It's kind of have some narrative basis to it, but representation is what I like to work in. And right now I'm working on a series called uh, MMIW, the Murdered Missing Indigenous Women um, movement. And it's just talking or shedding light on um, Native American women and our issues with our missing sisters, mothers, aunts, grandmas, what have you. And it starts way back since the beginning of forever. And uh, I just think it's nice to be able to give women a voice through art um, a lot of women, I have a sister's series, a brother's series, um, and I do a lot of abstract work as well. I, I really dig on abstract, but I'm also a landscape artist, and I love landscape painting. Yeah, there's a lot, in your gallery, there's a lot of different, it's not, I mean, there are there's landscapes and different, Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, tra- I'm trying to describe it, but I'm terrible at this, but images, like just, oh, yeah. they're just, uh, 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 what are you trying to say there, you know, I mean, it's, you are conveying emotion. Mm-hmm. These are very emotional images when I look at them. Oh, yeah. There's something there. What is it that you're trying to express? Really, like um, the whole basis of, of me painting in studio every day is it's kind of a blessing and a curse because I have to paint every day, but I also get to paint every day. Mm-hmm. So the the emotions, the level of, of how I'm feeling, what's going on in my life, things I can't control, things I love, things that make me terribly sad or happy, they're all a constant work of art. And my, my work is changing all the time because of it. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, a lot like the other art that you're going to see at the Northern Plains Indian Art Market I mean, there's traditional aspects in which natives use beadwork and quill work and um, pottery and metal mm-hmm. to create their own stories and tell their own stories. But at Post Pilgrim, I I get to do I get to do whatever I want and however I feel. Yeah. So and catch so try to catch me on a good week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's work for you, right? I mean, this oh, is, yeah. you're a full time artist. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's just yeah. not that common in oh, this world. No. I, and you, I, another, another wonderful aspect of Post Pilgrim is when the young children, young urban native children come in and they walk in and their eyes pop. They mm-hmm. just get to see, you did all of this. Yes, I did, babe, and so can you. Yeah. You know, let me tell you how. 
Yeah. Sit down. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you anything you need. And then other members of the community come in and ask for outreach help. What can I do for this? How can mm-hmm. I do this? And you help them. Yeah. That's, your, that's your way of giving back. That's yeah. true native way. I'll help you. Uh, Hugh Grogan, you're a volunteer with the, with the show, with the uh, market. Um, uh, it's this weekend. Yes, it is. And tell us, tell us a little bit about what's going to happen this weekend and where. Give us the details here. Well, the preview show is at the Old Courthouse Museum. It starts at um, uh, 7 o'clock on Friday night and goes to 8.30. Uh, cost to get in is $25. And at the preview, uh, that's a place where people have an opportunity to see the, um, uh, the winning pieces, also to purchase them or to talk to the, uh, t- talk to the um, artists. Um, and so we would encourage people to, to, to come in and to, to come in and to um, uh, come into the preview. The market is uh, Saturday and Sunday. It's from 10 to 6 on Saturday, and it's uh, $7 for both days, $5 each day. Kids under 12 are free, so we would encourage families to come out. We hope that uh, you know parents will bring their kids out and, uh, and give them an opportunity to experience this art. And then Sunday, it's from 10 to 4. And again, the cost is $5 a day or for both days, $7. And you have been involved with, this is the 31st annual Northern Plains Indian Art Market. And uh, that's kind of amazing. But you've been involved since the beginning or near the beginning, right? Yes, I have been. And it's been, it's been awesome to watch the, arc, the uh, market. And as it's uh, expanded over the years, uh, there's been a kind of an ebb and a flow to it. It started out under American Indian Services as Northern Plains Tribal Arts. And then Cintiq uh, Leska University took it over in 2004. And uh, speaking on behalf of the Sioux Falls community, we've been very grateful to Cinté and to Lionel Bordeaux, the president, for the commitment that he's had and the, the visionary support that has been given to us in the Sioux Falls community and to tribal artists across the state to, to keep this uh, show going. And Lionel Bordeaux is just a titanic figure in the state at this point, right? He is. Yeah. Legendary. Uh, as uh, head of Cinta Gleska. Um, and Cinta Gleska is a, a, a community college, but it also has a huge outreach program, right? So that's, there's, you can take online classes and all kinds of different stuff through Cinta Gleska, right? And it's actually a university where, and you can take, yeah. there are master classes and uh, that kind of thing, too. It's, it's grown tremendously. Yeah, tremendously. Over the year. Uh, so the, the nor- uh, I'm sorry, the uh, American Indian Art Market, Northern Plains Indian Art Market, <laughs> I got to get it there right. There you go, Pat. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get there eventually, <laughs> is this weekend, and we're going to come back in just a moment and talk more with Hugh and Jennifer about what's going to be going on out there, and just about art in general. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are chatting with Jennifer White, who is the owner of the Post Pilgrim Gallery in Sioux Falls in the uh, in the last stop CD shop building on East 10th Street, and Hugh Grogan, who is a volunteer with the Northern Plains Indian Art Market and former retired for many, many years, was the head of the Minnehaha County Human Services Department with the county, and so people may know Hugh. Um, uh, Jennifer, how you, you we talked about your gallery earlier and your art. Um, how is it that you came to be Jennifer White? Native American artist. I think full-time. I got started. I think I got started the way most artists get started, and that's by watching, watching your grandmothers and watching, watching the adults around you um, create work. And it's beautiful, quality, genuine Native artwork, and they don't even think of it as being, as being so. It's just a way of life. My grandmother was a quilter, and I remember sitting watching her quilt, and you had to be very quiet when watching Grandma quilt. But that taught me a discipline that comes beyond motherhood and goes beyond a job. It's She was truly, honestly dedicated to making something beautiful with absolutely no expectation, but just to make it beautiful. That whole ideal of of creating something beautiful for beauty's sake kind of resonated with me. And I always loved to draw. I was pretty good at it. You know, I was a really good kid in school. <laughs> nah, not really. But, <laughs> but, but you know, like when I got bored, I would draw. And I, I continued to, to work on that. And then I started, started working and um, kind of lost it for a little while. And then I had a, 
a bunch of little kids running around, my own, of course, running mm-hmm. around. And I just needed to figure out a way to be me again, to kind of get away and not be a mom for quite so long and not be a wife for quite so long. And in the middle of the night, I would start painting. And eventually I realized these are pretty good and pursued, um, tried to pursue a, a gallery here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and and found a home at Last Stop CD Shop the first time and then Rug and Relic the second. And then the third round was Prairie Star. And then when Prairie Star closed, John and Linda wins, split south. So I began to look for investors to try to open Post Pilgrim Art Gallery and found exactly my niche right where it needed to be at the right moment in time. And I'm very blessed. Janine and Brian Deitz are very good people. Very good to me. Yeah. And so your gallery is in uh, Last Stop CD Shop along with the Weight Wall Studios and this as we called it, this uh, uh, beehive of groovy yeah, over man. there, and and it's 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 going well for you. You're oh, happy with yeah. where you're at. Well, and then it's funny because uh, when we first started Post Pilgrim, we only had a summer season where we would go to art markets during the summertime. And as you become a little more established and your work becomes a little more valuable, uh, you start being invited to go to shows instead of. Instead of having to apply, you just mm-hmm. get invited. And so our season runs all year round oh, now. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's really neat. And it's kind of like reading books. The more you know, the less you know. So when you get to see all these different markets all over the country, you begin to realize different techniques, different ideals, and it, it only helps nurture your art. Yeah, it's cool. Awesome. Hugh, the, the American Indian... I did it again. I just have this... <laughs> The Northern Plains Indian Art Market, which is this weekend in Sioux Falls. And, and where is it again? Where is it held? Friday night at the Old Courthouse Museum and then uh, Saturday and Sunday at the Ram- Ramcota Exhibit Hall. Now, uh, it's been around three decades. You've been there since the beginning. Um, is it, uh, it seems to me that back in the sort of maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, it was really big. Right. I mean, is it still a, a, a big deal? And what's the market for Native American art and what's the popularity of it these days? I, I think the market is still strong. I, I would say that we, when we were back in the early, to, uh, excuse me, in the late '80s and through the '90s, it w- we probably had a a, a bigger, uh, a greater amount of community support, mm-hmm. and it was almost uh, one of those events you couldn't miss. Mm-hmm. And so we're 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 not uh, we're we're not there at this point in time, uh, but we still draw uh, quite a few people. And we've drawn artists from all over uh, all over the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, we were represented by artists from um, eight different states and Canada. Uh, what's unique about this show is that it's only Northern Plains uh, artists, so it's the only show in the country that's uh, that represents only uh, Plains tribal mm-hmm. art. And the and the Northern Plains uh, Indian culture still has a great mystique in parts of the world, uh, including Europe. We always get a lot of German tourists, for yes. instance. Uh, and th- does that, so there, is there demand still for that art because of that mystique? That that demand is still strong. We th- There's a, a lot of demand in Germany and in uh, England and, and, well, in other countries in Europe. There's a real uh, fascination with tribal art and a real interest in tribal culture. And uh, we see this event as one that provides an opportunity in the community for people to become more aware of and exposed to tribal culture. When you look at the show in its beginning, uh, you know, 31 years ago, our population has about doubled since that mm-hmm. time. And so there's, we feel there's a lot of people in the community that probably don't know a whole lot about Native art or even Native peoples. And so this show gives an opportunity for people to come to view uh, tribal arts in mm-hmm. various forms, contemporary, traditional, uh, beadwork, quillwork, uh, to talk to the artists, to learn more about how the artists have evolved over the years through the show, and uh, it's, it's that kind of an opportunity. Uh, the other thing that the show was intended to do was create a market for a tri- for Northern Plains mm-hmm. tribal art, and I think we've been very successful at that. Uh, it's become a collector's item, whereas in the past, you know, prior to the art show, it probably wasn't as strong a, a market as it has been since the show was founded. Yeah, it's a, an amazing event, and it's fun just to go and take it in. I mean, even if you're not an art collector, just as a a visual, uh, uh, I don't want to call it spectacle, but just a, in, just incredible visual adventure. The right? beauty. Yeah, yeah, the beauty of it. Um, we're out of time, but uh, Jennifer White, uh, Post Pilgrim Gallery, uh, you're going to have to come back sometime. We're just going to talk. 
Oh, hell yeah. We'll just, oh. <laughs> oh, you're okay. Oh, you're yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, you're yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd okay. love to. We'll tape it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, Sorry, Pat. That's okay. Uh, that's the, okay. It's going to be okay. And Hugh Grogan, uh, they're with the uh, uh, Northern Plains Indian Art Market that's this weekend. Get details. Just Google Northern Plains Indian Art Market. We'll put a link up on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. But thanks, guys, for being here. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat just briefly about what's coming up tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, and the beehive of Groovy continues. Coming up this weekend, South Dakota Symphony Orchestra presents Arrival from Sweden, the music of ABBA. 7.30 Saturday, 2.30 Sunday at the Washington Pavilion, direct from Sweden the world's foremost ABBA tribute band. Whew, you're going to want to see that. It's, it's, it's impressive. For more information, go to KSO.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we'll talk local college football with Jeff Harkness of ESPN 99.1. Dave Hubner of the band Two Tracks will be back to preview a weekend performance here in town. And the Smart Cyclist will be in, and we're going to talk racing of all things. That's tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.